Okay, I don't know about you guys, but there has been a question around our house this week. Have you guys noticed how absolutely beautiful and sunny it has been every day, right? We have had amazing sunshine, but have you also noticed that when you walk outside, you're still freezing because it's still really cold when you're walking, and every day Ben and I are like, why? Why can't it be warm yet? We're, we're hoping, we're wanting it to come. So that's our funny question around the house. Um, my question for you guys tonight is, how's your stress level? Are you guys doing okay? You're gonna make it? Yeah, it's pretty high. So I wanna say thank you for coming tonight because I know you probably all have a lot to do, but I'm really excited to see your faces in this room. One other face that's in the room that I wanna point out to you, ladies and gentlemen, in the house tonight, Mr. Chris Peters, right in the back. It's good to be back. He's glad to see you all. We're glad to see you too, Chris. So have you ever faced something in your life, a challenge, a disappointment, a loss maybe, that forced you to start asking some tough questions? And by tough questions, I actually mean tough questions about God or questions to God about the situation that you're facing. For me, this challenge has come in lots of different forms throughout my life. One of the first times I remember is right after college, I was leading a youth group at a church, and a bunch of my kids from that youth group were in a really bad car accident, and one of the guys in my youth group was killed in that car accident, and another one of them was paralyzed from the chest down, and I had to face some really tough questions of my own and from the kids in my youth group. Um, a little while later, actually many years later, I was asking really tough questions about why the heck I wasn't married yet because that happened in my life way later than I ever thought it would. And I started to have some really real questions for God about that. Like, what are you doing? Where are you? Um, why is this happening? Um, a few years later, married Ben, so that I knew why this was happening. Um, but a few years into our marriage, we were ready to start a family. We really wanted a baby. And so for about three years, we struggled with infertility. We weren't able to get pregnant, and there was never any reason why, just no baby. And that raised a lot of tough questions for us. Like, why us? Why is this happening? God, what are you doing? Where are you? And I would say most recently for me, this kind of struggle or these kinds of questions came when one of my best friends, one of my lifelong friends, was diagnosed with terminal cancer back in December of 2015. How could this be? <laughs> My beautiful, passionate, strong friend who loved and served Jesus all her life. She was a worship leader at her church. She had an awesome husband who loved her and three amazing kids who needed her. How could this be happening? This friend of mine was going to die? So I remember one day going to the beach and just walking and crying and kind of telling God all my questions. Like, God, where are you? <laughs> Seriously, have you not heard us for all these weeks when we were asking for this story to go differently? As the story progressed from Dana not feeling good, starting to lose weight that didn't make sense, and then a stomach ache that wouldn't go away, and then lots of tests and all kinds of trying to figure it out, and eventually exploratory surgery. And then after the surgery came a possible cancer diagnosis, and then I remember the day I was with her and her husband in the doctor's office at U of M in Ann Arbor 
when the doctor came in and said, yes, it's pancreatic cancer, and you probably have 12 to 18 months to live. God, what are you doing? Have you not heard our prayers all along when we're asking for this story to go differently? Have you forgotten us? Have you forgotten Dana? Have you forgotten her husband and her kids? Have you forgotten me? She's one of my best friends. She's the one that spurs me on to follow Jesus. God, what are you doing? And sometimes we ask these really honest questions. So I wonder just what you're facing, what you have faced, maybe what you're going to face um, that causes you to ask these questions. And the psalm that we're going to look at tonight is really awesome because the psalmist asks these questions. And I chose this psalm several weeks ago because during the time when Dana was diagnosed and through the process of her getting sick and, and eventually passing away about a year later, this psalm carried me through. And this psalm gave me a framework to know what to do with my questions. And so my prayer for tonight is that this would also be helpful to you in that way in your questions. So before we read, would you guys pray with me? Jesus, you know what we're struggling with. You know what our past is, what our future is. You know the questions on our mind. You know the, the questions we're willing to say and the questions that we're not willing to say out loud. And um, God, knowing all of that, you've brought us to this place tonight. And so we pray, um, God, that you would speak through your word, through your story. Um, God, help us hear whatever it is that you want to say to us tonight. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you guys open up to Psalm 77? And we're going to take a look at this psalm in a couple different sections. There's different things happening, and I just want to walk us through, and then we'll talk about them a little bit as we go along the way. So Psalm 77. Here we go, starting in verse 1. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused, and my spirit inquired. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? I think this psalm caught my attention during those days because the psalmist's questions sounded like mine. God, where are you? Where's your mercy? Where's your compassion? Have you forgotten us forever? What are you doing? And then as we read on, I love these next two, two verses because it changes everything. So look at verse 10. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. The way the psalmist starts to think 
changes everything. He says, I will remember your mighty deeds. I will remember your miracles of long ago. So I want to teach you the Hebrew word in this psalm that he's using for remember. And that word is zakar. Say zakar. Zakar. If you want to write it down, there's no right way, by the way, in English to write a Hebrew word. It's just how it sounds. So the way I write it is Z-A-K-A-R. Zakar, if that helps you. Zakar means to remember. But for us, when we hear the word remember, like a lot of you guys will have exams in the next few weeks, and you'll be studying and memorizing and trying to remember things that you're going to have to write down in exams, and you're going to try to remember those things. That's not how the Hebrew culture thinks about zakar or remember. It's very different. It means I'm going to remember something that has happened so as to do or be different, so as to take action. So, for example, in the story of Noah, when Noah is out in the boat with all the animals and the floods rise and the water falls and he's out there, it says that the Lord remembered Noah, Zakar, same word, and started to recede the waters. God remembered and took action. I read someplace this week it being described as Zakar for God equals like divine mercy. God remembers you and he acts. That's what it means to remember in the Hebrew language. So for us, when we are called to zakar or remember, the question is, will we remember something, have memory of something so as to do something different, so as to take action? It's never just a remembering a fact. It actually asks something of us. Will we choose to zakar to remember what God has done in the past so that we can trust him So we can change our thinking and maybe even our actions about the future or the questions that we have. That's that's what the question is for us. So let's keep going in Psalm 77. Go down to verse 13. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? Now here's what's interesting. The psalmist starts to zakar, right? He's already told us he's remembering. But now he's not going to just remember things God has done for him. He's going to remember way back into the ancient past. You are the God who performs miracles. This is verse 14. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The psalmist is choosing to remember a mighty miracle of God from the ancient past. And by remembering that action, he's now choosing to think and act and trust God differently. So what I thought might be helpful is if we look at the story that he is remembering. So turn in your Bibles to Exodus 14. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. And we're going to look at Exodus 14. You guys may remember the story The Israelites travel down into Egypt because there's a famine. They go there because there's food initially. And over time, they become enslaved to the Egyptians. 
Okay, does anyone remember how long they're there in slavery? Any guesses? That's a lot of mumbling. Someone say it louder. 400 years. Okay, awesome. So they are enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. It's a long time of hard labor and bad treatment. And God finally raises up a leader in Moses and says, go tell Pharaoh. What does he say to Pharaoh? Let my people go. That's right. Okay, and then God starts to send the plagues, right? Because Pharaoh says no. And so God starts sending the plagues to change his mind. And after all of these plagues, Pharaoh says no, 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 no. And finally, after the last one, he's like, get out of here, go. And the people leave Egypt in haste and they head out into the desert. But what happened next? Anybody remember? Pharaoh changes his mind right? Pharaoh changes his mind and says, wait, what just happened? We just lost all of our slave labor. We got to go get them. And so the whole army takes off after them into the desert. So here's what happened. I want you to look at, starting in verse 10 of chapter 14, and I want you to think about the questions that the psalmist had in Psalm 77, because there's some um, echoes of those in, this, in these verses. So starting in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Right? They're asking the hard questions. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So then go down to verse 19. And we're going to read a chunk of the story because I think it's important for us to understand why the psalmist is going back to this to help himself remember. Okay, so hang with me. It's a pretty amazing story and I want you to hear it from here, from the word. Okay, so starting in verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. 
Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. It's a pretty amazing story, an ancient story, a miraculous story of how God did the impossible and saved his people. And the psalmist chooses in his deepest, darkest, most honest, gut-wrenching questions to Zakar to remember this miraculous act of God. I think kind of saying no matter how big the mountain, no matter how bad the turmoil or the confusion or the danger or whatever it is you're facing, Zachar, remember the power of God. In fact, he says, to this I will appeal to the right hand of God Almighty. All through the Old Testament, hundreds of times, refers to the right hand of God and it symbolizes his power and his might. And the psalmist says, no, I'm going to appeal to the years of the Most High and, and what he did with his powerful right hand when the people walked through on dry ground. I'm going to zakar. I'm going to remember that and let me change how I face my situation right now and my questions right now. So here's a question for you. What are your Red Sea moments? What are the ways that you have seen God act in a mighty way? Has he answered a prayer for you? Has he provided for you? Has he seen you through a hard thing before? And if you can't answer that, that's okay. Maybe you can say, what are the things I've seen happen in the lives of the people around me? What can I remember from their stories? And if that doesn't work, you also have this. You can do what the psalmist does. He remembers the ancient past and the way God moved and saved and redeemed and rescued his people with his power and his might. Zakhar, remember, so has to do. So I was thinking a little bit, okay, so if we're supposed to zakar and that's going to change us, how do we zakar? How do we do this? And there are lots of ways that God kind of explains and encourages and even calls us to do that. Some of them we've been doing the last few weeks at the well, so I just wanted to say them again. One thing God says over and over in Scripture is write this down. He'll say, write this down and tell the next generation. Write this down and tell your children. Write it on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Write this down. We, we forget so quickly, right? Like I, I journal a lot and then I'll get all discouraged or something and all I have to do is like open and start reading a few pages and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, God has done so much in my life but we forget, so write it down. Um, I had some friends once that had like a wall in their dining room where they used to just like write what God had done for them so they could see it all the time. I've also seen people take like a, a jar and just write down things they've seen God do, put it in the jar. You get discouraged, you pull something out and use a car. You remember what God has done. The other thing that God asks us to do, he says all the time, declare. Let's declare the praise of God. Declare the works of the Lord. Declare his mighty deeds. I loved that at the well last week because you guys were writing stuff down that God had done and then you were being bold and coming up here and declaring it, doing both of those things. And it was so encouraging, wasn't it, just to hear each other talk about the goodness and the power and the might of God. So write this down. Declare it. Tell each other. And then I think the third way to Zakar is exactly what we're doing tonight, to gather to come together, 
to listen to stories of God's power, to sing to the God who's bigger than us, right? It's the moments in worship where we become small again and our worries and our troubles become small and our God becomes big. And we sing to the God that's bigger than the stuff we're facing. So we gather. One other thing I thought would be helpful tonight is just to listen to an example, another example of how this psalm has kind of worked in someone's life. So because uh, her sister-in-law had a baby yesterday, I want to introduce you to Aunt Julia Stayskull. Come on. Julia has had a really cool experience with this psalm, and when I heard her talk about it this week, I was like, she needs to tell you. So here we go. Woo, yeah. I work with microphones all the time. You'd think I would be better at it. Hey guys, um, when we were studying Psalm 77, I just, yeah, like Stacy said, I've got this story um, that just comes to mind automatically, um, and it's funny to me how scripture can take on such different um, roles in different times in your life, how sometimes I'm reading through the Psalms and like the laments, and I'm just thinking, like, no, David, God's not rejecting you forever, don't be dramatic, and, and then other times I read it and I'm like, oh, yeah, that is actually exactly how I feel. Um, so this is a story about a time when I felt that way. Um, it's from when I had the great privilege of traveling to Israel with Ben and Stacy and some CM students in 2015. Um, and the first night we arrived in Israel, I was just so full of anxiety. Um, and at first I couldn't really pinpoint why that was, um, but eventually... Um, I'm laying in bed, and I knew I had to get a good night's rest because we're hitting the trail in the morning, and I just couldn't. I'm tossing, and I'm turning, and I'm thinking, and I've got these questions that are just rattling around in my brain, and like, man, does God really want me here? Um, was it just me being selfish and wanting this experience for myself when I signed up for this, or was God really calling me here? I don't even know if I should be here, and it got to the point um, where I was like having a panic attack, so... Uh, for me, that looks like my heart was racing, and um, I couldn't get a full breath, and uh, I was pacing around my room, and I couldn't sleep. Um, meanwhile, my roommate is just cashed out, and I'm like, <laughs> great, <laughs> um, so no one to talk to. Um, <laughs> but this continued all night long. I just got a few minutes of rest, um, and then even the next morning, just feeling this sense of, like, unease in my spirit, and... Um, just feeling like uh, this panic wouldn't really go away. Um, and so we hit the trail, still feeling this way. Um, we're at one of our first stops, which is in the desert. And we're talking about how the desert is this place of trials and struggles, um, but it's also a place where you meet God. You go to meet God. Um, and Ben and Stacy gave us a time to reflect um, they gave us some scripture that we could reflect on, lots of psalms. They're like, you can read this and this and this, Psalm 77 and this and this. And I was like, okay, Psalm 77. <laughs> That's not actually what they said, but <laughs> I chose Psalm 77. So um, I'm reading it, and I was like kind of freaking out because I'm reading it, and it's like my life. It's my story of last night. And it's like I cried out to God for help. I was in distress. I sought the Lord all night long. I stretched out untiring hands, and I could not be comforted. I was like, hmm, sounds familiar. 
and you kept my eyes from closing, God. I was too troubled to even speak. I was like, that was my life. I felt that way, just exactly that way. And the questions that David is asking are feeling really familiar. Where are you, God? And are you rejecting me? And where is your love? I, just, I, I can't feel that right now. And these questions that I used to think were so dramatic became my reality. And um, I feel like a lot of you probably have felt um, what I'm talking about with this anxiety stuff. Um, it's something that I've struggled with my whole life. And when you're in that moment of panic, um, there's nothing about right now that makes sense. And so um, everything I hear goes through the lens of someone who's freaking out. So um, somebody says, calm down. And I'm like, I'm too busy freaking out. And so I, I was like, I'd love to hear you tell me um, that God is good right now, but I'm really busy freaking out and I can't focus on that. And I'd love to hear you tell me to um, not be anxious about anything, but with everything in prayer and petition, Thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. But I'm too busy freaking out. I can't do that right now. Um, so one of the only things in that time that helps me in that moment is to remember that this has happened before and it ended and it's happening right now and it's going to end again. And I try to trust that. Um, so the day that I was reflecting in the desert, I kept reading the psalm. And like Stacy pointed out, there's this turning point in it where David says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. And God sort of used that to put me in my place. Um, he said, like, regardless of, of why you signed up for the trip or what your selfish motives were or anything that you're busy worrying about, I opened these doors for you. Um, and I was faithful to do that. And he provided the opportunity. He provided, like, a crazy amount of money um, and for any of you who are stressed out about fundraising for Israel, come talk to me. I have crazy stories of God's faithfulness and provision for that. Um, and he provided a blessing from my parents to go, which is miraculous. Um, all of these things in my life uh, and in my story I consider to be miracles. And that's what hit me that day in Israel. Um, and suddenly I just felt this amazing peace. Like, you open these doors, you're faithful. I'm supposed to be here. I'm excited to be here. Um, and that lasted for the rest of the trip. So it's a really powerful experience for me. Um, God brought miraculous truth and clarity in my life then, and he's faithful to do it again. And uh, God's plan didn't stop existing just because I stopped believing in it. Um, and he's faithful, and this is why I worship. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Julia. Maybe um, some of what Julia is saying is familiar to you. Maybe some of your struggle and your questions come because of a struggle with anxiety, which I know a lot of people face. Uh, maybe for you it's something else. Maybe a loss, maybe something confusing, something going on in your life that's just really hard. Maybe it hasn't happened yet, um, but it might, and the questions will come. And this is, this is something I want to say about the questions, by the way. The questions are okay. Like, it's okay to have questions for God or about God and to have really hard questions. Like, we all have the questions we're willing to say, but, but there's also those questions we're not willing to say out loud or we're afraid to say out loud, and we think, that doesn't make me a very good Christian if I ask that question. It is okay to struggle and ask the questions. But in your struggle, 
Will you also choose to, to zakhar, to remember what you've seen, to remember what you've experienced, what the people around you have experienced, what the ancient people experienced of God? Um, will you rest in that and believe that God will, ask, will act again? Over the years, I've seen people wrestle in different ways, right? Friends and family and lots of students that come through CM wrestling with the really hard questions of life and questions of faith. Um, and I've watched people do that very differently. And I would say most recently on my mind um, are two friends who've done it really differently. One friend who I met with recently um, has faced just some really hard disappointment, some hurt, um, some loss, just really tough questions, and in the questioning has really forgotten, um, forgotten the bigness and the greatness of God, and the questions and the struggle have become consuming and become bigger than the God that they once worshipped. And I've watched them kind of forget about peace and hope and the things that God has done, the miracles they've seen. Um, and honestly, you guys, it just is so heartbreaking to watch that happen. On the other hand, I watched my friend Dana as she walked through sickness and a terminal cancer diagnosis and months of being sick and in pain and struggling with the really hard questions of that, right? And I watched her choose to Zakhar, to remember, to remember what she has seen in the past to help her trust and stand in her present situation. So I watched her. Was she sick? Absolutely. Was she in pain? Absolutely. Was she frustrated? Absolutely. Did she have hard questions? You better believe it. Did she beg God to change her situation? Absolutely. But I also watched her face pain and disappointment and struggle and eventually even death in a firm place of standing on the rock and believing in the God that she had seen before, the God she read about, the God she experienced in her life. And she chose Zakhar, and she didn't just choose to Zakhar and remember, but she actually, with a really loud voice, called the rest of us to come right along with her. And like, guys, we're gonna trust God in this situation. Even in this, we're gonna remember. I want you to notice one last thing about Psalm 77. So look at the very beginning. If you need to flip back to it, you can. I want you just to look at the first several verses, and there's something I want you to notice. As the psalmist starts and he's talking about all his questions and sort of his situation, there's a word that keeps repeating itself over and over and over, and that word is I. I cried out to God. I cried out to God to hear me. I was in distress. I sought the Lord. I stretched out untiring hands. I remembered. I mused. I was too troubled to speak. And then go down to verse 10. This is where the turn kind of happens. And he says, I will appeal to the ears of the right hand of the Most High. I will zakar. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. And then from 13 on, what disappears? The word I. It just goes away. It's like the struggle and the frustration and the confusion and the bigness of his problems and his circumstances all of a sudden dimmed in comparison when he remembered the power of the almighty God. 
And all of a sudden, it doesn't mean his question just went away. They were still there. But they got smaller <laughs> as God got bigger and he chose to remember to Zakar. So this is my prayer for you tonight. Whatever you're facing, whatever your questions are, or, or even what your questions might one day be, Will you choose to remember, Zakar, write it down, tell each other, gather in places like this. So we're going to sing together tonight. And I would just encourage you to let the big things in your life, the overwhelming things, the questions that you have, let them shrink in comparison to the almighty God that we're going to worship. I'm going to close just with these verses. This is from Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. Pray with me. Jesus, we're thankful um, for your word. We're thankful for the ways it reminds us of your power and your might and your promises. And God, we need that tonight. We need to hear from you. We need to remember. God, I'm thankful that you know our questions. You know the ones we're willing to say out loud and you know the ones that are hiding in our hearts that are just really painful and scary. And so God, I pray in these moments as we sing to you, as we lift our eyes to you, that we would become small and you would become big and you would remind us of what you're able to do. Would you bring peace and hope and rest to our discomfort and meet us in these moments? Come, Lord Jesus, we pray.